0: Well, greetings and welcome to the iFormerX Podcast, where we explore the evidence that matters to ambulatory care and community pharmacy practice. I want to thank you for listening to the iFormRx Podcast and taking time away from your busy life to engage in this professional development activity. This is Stuart Haynes, the host of the iFormRx Podcast but this community of practice is made possible through the collective efforts of many, many volunteers. If you'd like to volunteer your time and talent, well, just send me an email. As many of our listeners are well aware, healthcare practitioners are stressed out, disillusioned, and many have left full-time employment over the past couple of years. There are several contributing factors, and the global pandemic exacerbated many of the long-standing issues that contribute to work-related stress and health care. One of the factors, and one that I didn't fully appreciate until I read the article that we'll be discussing today, is uncertainty. Uncertainty is a well-documented stressor, but it comes with the territory when you work in health care. For example, in most circumstances, there is uncertainty about a diagnosis or there's uncertainty about which treatment would be best for a particular patient. And if you manage people, there's uncertainty about what would be the best approach to addressing a performance problem, for example. And, And if you're a preceptor or a faculty member, there's uncertainty about the best way to teach and uncertainty about whether your learners are actually gaining the knowledge, skills, and attitudes that you intend. So uncertainty is ubiquitous and it contributes to stress, but is there anything that we can do about it? Well, joining us today to talk about uncertainty, work-related stress, career satisfaction and burnout is Dr. Brent Reed. Now I've asked Brent to write this commentary and participate in this podcast because I believe he's uniquely qualified to talk about these issues. Brent is currently a PhD student at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, in the organizational science program. But in his former life, uh, Dr. Reed was a full-time member of the faculty at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy and was on service as a clinical pharmacy specialist in cardiology at the University of Maryland Medical Center for several months out of the year. So Brent not only is knowledgeable about this body of literature but has lived experience as a clinician educator who's pulled in several directions, as we all are. So, Brent, it's great to have you back on the iFormerX podcast today. Welcome. Thanks for
1: having me, Stuart. You know, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today.
0: So, before we talk about the study you reviewed in your commentary, I'd like to start our discussion by setting some context, In your commentary, you talk about uncertainty as one of many potential stressors that clinicians face in practice. First, what kinds of stressors are most common in healthcare today? What's the difference between a challenge stressor and a hindrance stressor? And why is uncertainty considered a hindrance stressor? You know, a common
1: misconception about stress is that it's all the same. And the only thing that matters is whether the amount of stress that we're facing at work can be kept to a reasonable level. But that's really just part of the story. Research suggests that the effects of stress really depend in part on the source of that stress or what we call stressors. Now, as you mentioned, there are a couple of major categories of stressors, challenge stressors and hindrance stressors. Now, challenge stressors are those that can be overcome with effort, and they provide us with a sense of growth and achievement. So, in other words, they might be a little bit draining, but those negative effects are offset by the ways in which they they help us grow and develop. So, examples of of challenge stressors in healthcare might include workload, so the number of patients that we might need to see in a day, or the number of progress notes that, that we might need to write. Another example is time pressure, which is really just deadlines. So the need to educate a patient before they they might get discharged at noon. Now, the key to challenge stressors is that those offsetting benefits I mentioned, they only exist when we face challenges in reasonable amounts. If, If challenges become excessive, then they start to act like hindrance stressors, that other main category of stressors. So hindrances they can't be overcome with effort and they only impede our growth and our sense of achievement. So in other words there's no beneficial upside to hindrance stressors. So some examples in healthcare care uh, include role conflict. so when our, our patient care roles and our, our precepting or teaching roles might conflict with each other, you know we, we simply can't be in the clinic and the classroom at the same time. Another example would be interpersonal conflict. So if you have an abusive coworker or boss, you can't just overcome those toxic effects with more effort. Now, uncertainty, which is the the topic of our conversation today, it almost always acts like a hindrance stressor because it's, it's rarely something that we can easily remedy. You know, it's not like prescribing a new medication where we might not remember the starting dose, you know, something that we could easily look up uncertainty is usually something that is unknowable or unpredictable, like whether that new medication will actually benefit the patient. And we might be able to chip away at at some of those things that we don't know, like using the results of a clinical trial to make a more informed decision. But as you and I both know, even the most beneficial therapies, they don't help everyone. And in some cases, they may even harm patients. So there's still going to be an element of uncertainty there.
0: So, let's talk about the study that you reviewed in your I, Form, X commentary. The, the study appeared in the Journal of General Internal Medicine, and it's entitled, Factors Associated with Physician Tolerance of Uncertainty, an Observational Study. Now, we provide a link to that paper on the iFormerX website, but I suspect many of our listeners are not going to read that paper, so I would love for you to give us a succinct summary of the study methods and its results. The main purpose of the
1: study was to investigate whether having a low tolerance of uncertainty was associated with an increased risk of burnout. Now, burnout is thought to result from prolonged exposure to workplace stress, so we would expect that having a low tolerance for uncertainty would increase the risk of this outcome. Now, To investigate their hypothesis, the researchers conducted a cross-sectional survey of physicians in a large medical group in the Northeastern U.S. Respondents were asked about demographic and professional characteristics, including their specialty area, and whether or not they had a trusted mentor. Now, the researchers' main outcome of interest was burnout, but they also looked at a few other work-related outcomes as well, like career satisfaction and engagement. Now, in terms of the results of the study, about 2,000 physicians responded, about half of those were women, and, and most had been in practice for 20 years or less. Now, in terms of the factors that were associated with a low tolerance for uncertainty, those included female gender, fewer years of experience, practicing in a primary care environment, and lacking a trusted advisor. Now, like I mentioned, the author's main hypothesis was that having a low tolerance for uncertainty would be associated with an increased risk of burnout. And indeed, that is what they they found. Having a low tolerance of uncertainty was actually associated with a threefold increase in the risk of burnout even after controlling for demographics and other characteristics. Now, I mentioned that they looked at a few other things as well. It was also associated with decreased engagement and lower career satisfaction.
0: So this isn't the... Typical type of study that we review on iFormrix because it involves psychometric tests rather than biological measures of therapeutic effect. Nonetheless, I, I, I believe this kind of research gives us helpful insights that are useful for practice management purposes if we understand the stressors that clinicians face. We can craft a work environment and create interventions that might mitigate the challenges and the hindrances that people face. Of course, we need good data to make good decisions. So with that in mind, what do you consider to be the key strengths and weaknesses of this study?
1: Well, the primary strength of this study was its large and diverse sample. So even though it was only conducted in a single organization, there were numerous specialties and subspecialties represented. Another strength was the high response rate. So over 90% of the physicians in this organization responded to the survey, which I think we can probably attribute to them offering a monetary incentive to participate. Now, that's a fairly routine practice for studies in the organizational setting. So I wouldn't necessarily consider that a weakness in terms of the weaknesses, the authors acknowledge the biggest one, which is that this was a, a cross-sectional study. So we can't really establish any causal relationships between a low tolerance of uncertainty and burnout. We can only say that there was a relationship. Another weakness involves how respondents' tolerance of uncertainty was measured. The authors used a single-item measure, and although that item was derived from a previously validated scale, anytime that you adapt a scale or maybe use a subset of items, that can still have a major impact on validity and reliability. And lastly, another limitation that is unfortunately pretty common for studies like this is that although the researchers measured burnout and engagement using continuous scales, they converted them to categorical variables for the purpose of analysis. When it comes to psychological phenomena like burnout and engagement, this practice is generally discouraged because it can really discard valuable information and in some cases can even lead to misleading interpretations.
0: So, so Brent, what what are the practical implications of this study? We know that practitioners, not just physicians, but pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, nurses, nurses, aides, you name them, they are all feeling stressed out and overwhelmed right now. Uncertainty appears to reduce career satisfaction and engagement at work, and it may be a risk factor for burnout. This paper hints at some potentially modifiable factors. So what can we do to increase tolerance to uncertainty?
1: Great question, Stuart. You know, as you said at the beginning of the episode, uncertainty is par for the course in healthcare. But fortunately, there are still things that we can do, some of which I think were touched on in the study. First, tolerance for uncertainty was lower among those who didn't have a trusted advisor. And I think this highlights the value of mentorship and other forms of social support in reducing the risk of burnout. Second, tolerance for uncertainty was lower among those with less experience and those who probably deal with a lot more uncertainty on a routine basis, like those that are practicing in primary care. So I think a strategy that's likely to to be helpful in both of those cases is surrounding yourself with the support of interdisciplinary team members, you know, people who can offset gaps in your knowledge and skills and provide reassurance of your clinical decision making. In fact, some support for that hypothesis can be found in a couple of recent studies in which the involvement of pharmacists in primary care clinics was shown to reduce the risk of burnout among physicians. And when physicians were asked you know, why they thought pharmacists were so helpful, a number of them said that they felt reassured by the presence of pharmacists in the clinic. And then third, I think there can be some value in uncertainty in that it can highlight areas where we might need to gain some additional knowledge and skills, or we might need to seek some additional information to make a more informed decision. You know, those instances where we feel most assured are sometimes the most dangerous because we might overlook something important that, that might otherwise change our decision. So taking the results of this study a step further, I think one important takeaway for listeners is learning how to categorize the stressors that we face at work as either challenges or hindrances. Now, there's there's some research to suggest that we can reappraise stressors. So in other words, reframing hindrances as challenges. But most of the research suggests that stressors are what they are. They are either objectively a challenge or a hindrance but that doesn't mean that we can't do anything about them. And in fact, determining whether a stressor is a challenge or a hindrance may actually help us address them more effectively. So for challenges, you know, the answer might just be putting in a little more time, a little bit more effort. But for hindrances, you know, keeping our nose to the grindstone is not gonna be the answer. Instead, we have to think about how might we reduce those hindrances or how might we offset them, whether that's seeking out the support of a mentor or surrounding ourselves with a team whose strengths complement our weaknesses.
0: Brent, it's been awesome to have you on the Ricks podcast today and to talk about uncertainty, which is a source of stress that is inevitably a consequence of taking care of patients. And while keeping up on the latest therapeutics is certainly important, we also need to read the practice management literature to better understand how to structure our practice models, to achieve not only the best outcomes for patients, but also to create a sustainable practice. Our most valuable resource in any practice are the people who deliver the services. And we need to adopt evidence-based practices that enhance clinician well-being, too. Well, tell us what you think. Is this the kind of article you'd like to discuss more often on iFormerX? Be sure to log in to our website at iFormerX.org and post a comment only iformerx members can leave comments and use the interactive features and you can become a member of iformerx it's free to health professionals so sign up today and lastly i want to express my gratitude to my new dean dr donna strum for her commitment to iFormerX and for allowing me to devote a considerable amount of time and effort to make this community of practice possible. Moreover, Dr. Strom is deeply concerned about clinician well being and has put the school's resources behind efforts to address the well being of our students, our faculty, preceptors, and alumni. Our work and learning environments contribute in significant ways to the feelings of overload that most professionals are experiencing today. So I'm, I'm grateful to have a boss who's willing to dedicate time and treasure to address this critical problem. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off.